0: okay shalom people welcome to think jewish and tonight's class is called being fiddler on the roof why do we call this class being fiddler on the roof because we're about to focus on a deeper dimension of the first rashi on the torah portion rashi Shlomo yitzchaki was a he's the most classic renowned commentator that everyone regardless of affiliation is the first commentator you learn when you start learning Chumash. He lived in the 11th century and he lived in France. Rashi, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki. Now Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, he has rules. And in Genesis, to get the point across clearly, he says many, many times. bati I come only to give you the simple interpretation. That means there are other famous commentators. Nachmanites quotes medical and Kabbalistic. Um, There are many other commentators that focus on different approaches. Rashi's approach, which is why he is the most classical one, is because he will not say anything that he doesn't feel that the five-year-old who's learning Chumash Would be have a problem with so if he sees that the five-year-old learning this verse would have a question he would answer it and if he says something we need to immediately focus on why did you say anything what was wrong if you wouldn't have said it on the other hand if he didn't say something and there is such a serious question that a five-year-old would ask he just can't go any further. There's a question here in the Chumash. And Rashi doesn't say anything. We need to ask why Rashi doesn't say. That's how serious we are about Rashi. Not a word said that a five-year-old doesn't need to know. And not a word left out that a five-year-old does need to know. And the focus is on the five-year-old. So all the other commentaries that will ask questions from the Talmud and Halachan. He doesn't go there. If the five-year-old didn't learn Kabbalah yet he didn't learn Talmud yet so we don't have to worry about that we have to worry about how a five-year-old practically learns the Chumash and thus he says a commentary on the words Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim and Jacob send Malachim and what does he say Malachim he quotes the words of the verse and he says Mamash what does the word mamash mean? Simply speaking, the word mamash means actual malachim. Why does Rashi have to tell this to us? Because in Tanakh, in the five books of Moses, the prophets and the scriptures, the word malachim has one of, one of two definitions. Malachim can mean an emissary, a human being emissary. And malach can also mean angels. So when the verse says, malachim, we don't know if we mean human messengers or we mean angels. So Rashi tells us in this case, we must say that he means angels mamash. Malachim Mamash. The Rebbe Blessed Memory spoke about why does Rashi have to say that Jacob sent angels to Esau let him say he sent sir, he sent uh, emissaries. He had a lot of people with him. So why do we have to say we mean spiritual angels? So the Rebbe says, explains in one, different times the Rebbe explains different rashis. In one fabrengin where the Rebbe was talking about this rashi, the Rebbe explained that the child knows from just simple common sense how much more so that it is halakha. He knows that you're not allowed to send someone into danger. Anyone that would be an emissary of Yaakov would be in danger. Esav is coming to kill them. He got a report. He's coming with 400 soldiers. If he's coming to wipe out Jacob, any human emissary that's coming to present Jacob will be killed. Thus Rashi says, So the question is, how could he send anyone? If later on, he's so scared that his whole camp is not strong enough and he starts dividing them in in half and sending gifts. So obviously he's seriously scared. So to send a handful of humans and put them into danger, the five-year-old knows that Yaakov can't do that. And when he grows up, he'll know that according to Halacha, you're not allowed to send a shliach to a place of danger. So simply Rashi has to explain to the child who's wondering here, you're afraid he's gonna wipe everyone out. You just send a couple of people to the slaughterhouse. So Rashi says, Don't worry. You should know when he sent Malachim, it doesn't mean Malachim, human emissaries, it means Malachim Mamash, spiritual angels. Spiritual angels can't be killed by Asaf. So all I did so far was share with you the Rashi and why how the Rebbe of Blessed Memory learns why Rashi has to say that he actually sent real angels to Asaph. Now let's focus on a teaching of Rabdov Bear of Masrich. A little bit of history that Rabdov Bear of Masrich was the student of the Baal Shem Tov. He was the disciple of the Baal Shem Tov and he was the teacher of the Alter Rebbe founder of Schneir Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad Lubavitch. And he has a book which is called Magid Varavli Yaakov. And in that book, there's a very amazing interpretation upon this Rashi. But he's approaching Rashi, not from the simplistic approach that we normally learn Rashi. He's giving the depths of Kabbalah, which lies in this Rashi. And he says like this. Yaakov malachim mamash. Jacob sent the angels to Esav. Which part of the angels did he send? He sent the mamash of the angels. Now the word mamash has two interpretations. If you remember, by Alejandro's word. We will focused on this week's Parsha. I gave one interpretation. Mamash from the essence. But today we're going to focus on the more practical definition of the word mamash. The human being has senses. Of the senses, they're all metaphysical, spiritual. Seeing, hearing, tasting. The one that is most physical. That can only apply in the physical body. It cannot apply. Seeing and hearing applies also on spiritual levels. But the one that applies only on the physical is lemamesh, to touch, mamashut. So he says, what part of the angel did he send is the mamashut of the angel, the physical externalism of the angel. Now to explain this, how can you say this physical externalism to an angel? So I just want to quote to you what my Maimonides says in the first four chapters. Of the book of laws Mishnah Torah there is two chapters and two chapters the first two chapters talks about the secrets of God and the chariot the second uh, two chapters number three and number four talks about the secrets of creation my separation and over there he takes a very practical approach to angels and he says that angels have a body and a soul the only difference is that every single creature every single creation is made up of a composition of the four elements The four elements is fire, water, air, and earth. But the human body, the body is made up primarily of the water and the earth. And therefore, it's so physical. While the angels are primarily made up of the elements of fire and air. And therefore, it's spiritual. However, an angel, according to Maimonides, does have both a body and a soul. Now we understand what the Masritchim Magad is saying. He sent the angels, the mamashut of the angels, he sent to Esau. But the spirituality of the angels, that stayed with him. And obviously the simple understanding is that Esau is that's not going to have no relationship with the spirituality of it, so he sent only the physicality of it. Whatever that means when you talk about an angel physicality. With that being said, let's go back to the title. The title is Being Fiddler on the Roof. What is the definition of Fiddler on the Roof? So Fiddler on the Roof is, as you see in the opening, Fiddler is, he's standing on the spitz, the top corner of the roof. And on the top corner of the roof, it's not a flat roof, it's a, co- it's a pointy roof. And on that top point, he's playing his fiddle. And what is the message of Fiddler on the Roof? That the Jewish person has always that struggle that he has to be able to balance himself on the spitz, on the top corner. A little leaning too much to one side, you fall. A little leaning too much to the other side, you fall. You have to be able to balance yourself neither leaning too much to one side or the other side and while balancing yourself play your tune of life fiddler on the roof now let's talk about that from our perspective for tonight the jewish person has to balance himself as fiddler on the roof A little bit too much leaning to the physical pursuit of happiness and he falls. A little bit too much leaning to the spiritual pursuit of happiness and he falls. So what the Jew has to do is manage to be able to balance himself right there on the Spitz To be able to somehow maintain a healthy balance of physical success, spiritual success, and through it all, play his tune. Because he was given a specific chord in the master orchestra of creation, which he or she, and only this he or she individual, can play. So being fiddler on the roof, what we're talking about tonight, is really the struggle of being a Jew let's go further. Was God to tell us all, Jewish people, you are chosen. What were you chosen for? You were chosen to forego all physical pursuit of happiness and pleasure. I'm going to take you all to Tibet. You're each going to find a cave or a mountaintop or a treetop and you're going to spend your life in total abstinence of anything beyond the absolute bare necessities to stay physically alive and you will meditate on the spirituality of reality and be connected to me only in that way. We would be quetching, but we would come to terms. Three generations into this journey, the grandchildren wouldn't even know that there's a different choice in life and that would be life and it would be a comfortable inner peace fulfilling life was God to tell us listen leave alone the spirituality for that I got an entire factory of angels what I need you guys to do is become the most physically successful people of the universe I want you to show them that when you're connected to God, you're rich, you're famous, and you're powerful. It would be, by the way, bothersome because the human being needs a spiritual fulfillment, but we would come to terms with it. And as a fact, what mind boggles the entire human race when you look at the percentage of population that the Jewish people have, and then you look at the list of Nobel Prize winners, the ratio of Jewish people versus the other uh, ethnic groups and and races and religions and whatever it is, you will find that it is totally out of whack. The Jewish people's pursuit of physical happiness is immense. Because, we will talk about soon, that is our job. Our job is to go out there and become the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best CPAs, the best scientists, the best economists, everything. That is our job. But what I'm bringing to your attention today is, was God to have told us to do either one only. Life would not have been The perilous struggle of Fiddler on the Roof. Because if we were to have to focus our entire energy, talents, gifts, to pursue happiness in only one arena, physical or spiritual, life would have been easy. Only spiritual? Fine. Only physical? Fine. But how exactly do you tell me that, as you know, the Jews are accused of owning Hollywood, owning Wall Street, I told you about the Nobel Prize winners, and all of that, we need to be equally successful in our spiritual pursuit of happiness. There is no other religion in the universe that has as many teachings, books, so well developed by the human mind, after God gave us the godly revelation of the Ten Commandments, then through Moses, the five books of Moses, and then later on in the totality of the whole written law, 24 books of Tanakh. What happened since those 24 books has been unprecedented in the Jewish pursuit of spiritual happiness. For us, studying Torah is not an act of wisdom pursuit. It's an act of being connected to God by thoroughly knowing God through His Torah as much as it's possible for the human mind to absorb the gift of divine knowledge. So we're looking at a very, very interesting people. We somehow are able to balance to unbelievable heights both our physical pursuit of happiness and our spiritual pursuit of happiness. The giants in the work of prayer, the giants in the work of Talmudic study, the giants in the work of Kabbalistic study, the giants in the work of medicine. I mean, we've talked about this. It's all over the internet. How much of technology is coming out of Israel? How many of the highest tech companies, medical and technology and everything is making sure that they have a plant in Israel for things to be developed or they're bringing Israelis too? And this balance is really the struggle of the Jew. We either get swallowed up in the physical pursuit of happiness And that comes with so many challenges because the human ego starts acting up. Or we go ahead and we have the absolute pursuit in spiritual happiness and then again we start being swallowed up and absorbed in the self. We don't want to deal with the non-religious Jews. We don't want to deal with the world. Give us our own little community and let us put over their signs and close up and we don't want to interrelate. It's difficult. The Orthodox Jewish world is struggling very hard with having to have internet and knowing the dangers that our children face when they have unguided access to the internet. This is not hypothetical. This is facts. We know it. I was involved in studies of the Chabad schools to see what the impact on kids are. This struggle of fiddler on the roof is really the test of our generation. Throughout the history, we have been challenged to overcome those who spit us out, did not allow us in. Today, for us in America, the challenge changed its entire existence. Today we have the challenge to not become part of the melting, smelting pot of America. So invited, so embraced. So today, unlike the other days, once upon a time it was easier for the jew to identify the slippery areas because our enemies reminded us where we are and who we are to them but today when everything is so embracing fraternities are full of both jews and non-jews bonding when we're being so embraced in our pursuit of our representation in the government And all of a sudden, Jewish people are very challenged to be able to maintain fiddler on the roof. Be on Capitol Hill, remember who you are. That's a challenge. And now I will share with you that the secret of that challenge is what Rashi based on the teaching the way I'm going to explain it according to him as Richard Magid which to me has come through the view and commentary of the Rebbe blessed memory that's what this Rashi is telling us it's about being fiddler on the roof why so because what the Rebbe is telling us that the Magid says is that if you want to know how to be able to maintain fiddler on the roof you need to know that in certain pursuits you don't send your inner makings of your heart your mind and your soul we learn to be physically present but spiritually we live in a different goal so as the reason why I am going to pursue physical happiness is actually a means to an end so i can actualize all that i need to in my spiritual pursuit this concept there are so many stories told by chassidim there was a shoemaker galoshin it was like the galosh is like the rubbers you put on the shoe when it's raining he came to the Rebbe Rashab, I believe it was, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, I'm not sure, I think it was. Maybe not. Maybe it was a different one. It was definitely one of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's. And he came complaining that he suffers from headaches. And the Rebbe told him, how can you not have headaches? Your head belongs in a hat. Instead, you put it into galoshin. When a head is squeezed into galoshin, you have headaches. Now, obviously... The Rebbe wasn't being humorous, but he was just finding a comfortable way to give a very deep message. Your head is in the wrong place. I'm going to share something which comes from a movie. And Actually, when uh, I was sharing this thought with someone and I used this example, he told me who the actor was, but he didn't tell me what the name of the movie was. I believe there's actually a bridge in uh, next to the Verrazano bridge that's named after because it's a true story. This movie, the one who acted it, he told me it was a guy called Russell Crowe, C-R-O-W-E. But the story is of a boxer, and was right after the time of the Depression, and uh, he was boxing, and then he st- he had to step out of it, and then he couldn't earn a living, so he was using his agent to get him back in. His agent didn't have nothing left; he was so poor, and the and the uh, you know the name of it something Cinderella man. Cinderella man thank you thank you so the Cinderella man in the story the agent now has to go back to the big wigs in Maya Mi- in, in Miami Gardens in um <laughs> in uh no uh no the Gardens the way, where all the boxing took place Madison Square Garden wow I'm losing it <laughs> had to go back to Madison Square Garden and to talk to the big wigs over there to give this guy a chance to do a fight. And they were offering him to fight against a guy who really killed someone else in the ring. When he's trying to get him back in, so he talks to the Grace of and there's one line of that entire movie which is so powerful for tonight's class. And I'm not going to be able to repeat the whole line, and you'll see why soon. He said as follows. He tells the guy, Oh, come on, have a heart. Big boo-boo. The wealthy guy with the cigar The Groy Samacher of Madison Square Garden turns around and tells him, My heart, I leave at home with my wife and kids. To my office, I only bring my brains. And he mentioned another part of his anatomy. The message is so powerful for tonight's class. Because that's what the Rebbe was telling this person who was complaining about headaches. Not every part of you has to go everywhere sometimes you have to be somewhere only externally but internally you already are occupied you're preoccupied and you're pre-committed when the Jew hears that he has to go now to Aesop and he has to deal with Aesop in Aesop's domain in Aesop's world by Aesop's rules quote unquote he needs to know from father Jacob what needs to be done because he had to deal with the situation but what part of the malachim did he take to the office and what part of the malachim did he leave home the mamash goes but the internal that's already pre-committed if we can remember that powerful message then we understand what it means being fiddler on the roof. When people complain I'm wearing too many hats, I feel my soul beginning to splinter and be fractured. It's because we don't know the secret of this week's Parsha. The secret of this week's Parsha is that you're only one head, one heart who wears many hats. And not everything deserves your emotional commitment. Some of them only deserve your physical commitment. But if you ask a Jew, why are you doing this? The answer has to be not for the physical pursuit of happiness, because that part of the physical pursuit of happiness, we only send our mamash. Now, of course, a Jew has to put his brain into his work. That's not what we're talking about. We learn clearly from Joseph, the way he worked for Pharaoh. If you are hired because you have talents and you only give your boss part of your talents, that is a question of stealing. Because he hired you because he wants your whole talents. So what I'm really talking, talking about here is That even as you give your whole talents but where is your heart and soul the difference between being your own entrepreneur and working for someone is that when you work for someone nine to five and if in the middle of the night there's an issue you're not the one worrying because the boss that's his problem and if he calls you in you should be getting time and a half That's the way it works in the world. There's a reason why people don't want to be entrepreneurs because they want to sleep at night. I want to get my paycheck without worrying. My heart and soul isn't there. My heart and soul is pre-committed. It's pre-committed to my family. It's pre-committed to my people. It's committed to my community. It's committed to my God. It's committed to my Torah. It's committed to my real home, the land of Israel. anything else I'm going to do everything I have to do but it's not what makes my heart race when you understand that everything in the physical pursuit of happiness is where you send your mamash your physicality and it's important to be successful and I want to share with you really remember these words It is our spiritual obligation to be physically successful. Please understand that. It is our spiritual obligation to be physically successful. The person who thinks that his spiritual success has to be built upon his physical poverty is a Chilul Hashem. What we need to do is understand that our physical success is the mandate of our spiritual obligation so that we can have the power that we need to protect the Jewish people, to protect the holiness and sanctity of God and Jewishness, to be able to help each other, to be able to build communities, to be able to build yeshivot, to be able to build soup kitchens. That takes money. That takes connections. That takes power. So our spiritual obligation to God and to our fellow Jew and to our fellow human being demands that we are physically successful. And I will share with you even more than that. And I'm pushing the buck here. And I'm very, very acutely aware of my own present physical level of success which is shall we say, lacking. And nevertheless, I want to share with you, it is my deep belief that a Jewish person who surrenders to physical poverty on any level is the Chilul Hashem because that can only become possible from a very deep depression. The Jewish person who is not suffering from depression is not suffering from lack of trust in God and if he's not lacking in the trust of God he should or she should be able to continue the struggle to not surrender okay what should I tell you it's not my mazal I'll never be rich I'll never be able to take a vacation I'll never be able to buy fancier clothes wrong wrong and wrong it is our spiritual obligation To be able to do these things. And what makes that impossible. I will repeat. It is my belief. Nothing more than depression. Will make us surrender. To a destiny which is not ours. Which then leads to. Lack of trusting in Hashem. Depressed people have a problem with faith and trust. Regardless of how much they tell you. That they have faith in God. And then we are walking. Representation of a very painful Judaism, and it's wrong to do such. So the question is, how do we take on this unbelievable, frightening challenge of being truly, physically pursuing happiness, and obtaining that physical pursuit of happiness, obtaining its destiny? without it hurting in any form of shape this concept of spiritual pursuit and happiness so to understand this I want to also share with you and I'm going to close up a very interesting story of the Rebbe the Rebbe was friendly with a certain Rabbi and you'll forgive me because I don't know the name of the Rabbi but I did know it when I heard the story and I repeated it for the first couple of times But the Rebbe in Europe was friendly with a certain Rabbi and before the Rebbe left to come to America, the Rebbe went to him and the Rebbe mentioned to him in request, our sages say, do not depart from a friend but in the words of Torah, so that every time you remember the words of Torah, you remember your friend. So the Rebbe asked him, please share with me words of Torah. This rabbi said, I can just share with you what I learned today. I learned today that, our, that it says that King Solomon is the one who arranged that we should have the mitzvah, the rabbinical mitzvah of making an eruv and also the mitzvah of making netilat yodayim and Hashem was very happy with King Solomon's doing this okay so now the Rebbe is responding with a Dvatora, Torah and I would really say to you that the Rebbe's entrance into America was built on the Dvar Torah that the Rebbe gave him back and the Rebbe said like this what does the word Eruv mean the word Eruv means to mix why is it mixing Why is it taking upon each other the collateral responsibility for each other because we're mixed? That's the whole concept of an Eruv, right? If you have a bunch of individual homes, you can't carry. But if you make an Eruv, which mixes all these homes into one big home, then you're allowed to carry, right? That's the concept of the Eruv. So what happens is that God tells us that you must do Eruv. You cannot live a life of abstinence from involvement in the physical community. You cannot become the person who lives only secluded in his own seclusion. I don't want to see the world as so much impurity. I don't want to be involved with the world. I may get dirty from it. I'm going to stay in my own closet with my six-pack of Coca-Cola, with my carton of cigarettes, and my Talmud. That's all I need. Make me happy. The law is Erevin. You must become involved. However, Erevin has to come together with Nitilat Yodayim. Keeping your hands clean. That was the Rebbe's Deva Torah. You can see that that is the life the Rebbe lives. Sending out Chabad houses to create Eiruvim in every single corner of the globe yet together with that fiddler on the roof remember your hands your hands have to build buildings your head and heart has to build communities and homes however even your hands keep them clean so please understand that what i'm sharing with you today being fiddler on the roof is the mandate of every Jew. Because we have to accept that there's two sides of the roof. The physical pursuit of happiness and the spiritual pursuit of happiness. I've already shared with you my belief. It's our spiritual obligation to be physically successful. So we have no choice. We must be spiritually happy and we must be physically happy. And you've got to play your specific unique Tune of life, you've got to be a leader, not just a follower, because there's a piece of the song that you and only you have within your soul. And then, please understand that the way to successfully do that is a secret of this week's parsha. Va'yishlach Yaakov malachim mamash. Says the Mizrachi Magid, he only sent the mamash of the of the uh, angel. To quote that guy. The head, the heart, he lives in his house. It's for his family. It's the other two parts of his anatomy which he needs to attack the world with to be able to just etch out his piece of success. When you have this secret of Arevan together with Natilat Yadayim, don't stay separated. Get involved. Get involved physically. You are the next Nobel Prize winner. That's what you have to take upon yourself. But together with that, you are the next unbelievable Jewish leader in your Jewish community. Building your Jewish home, building a difference in your Jewish community. By Yaakov Malachim Mamash. Remember, send your body into it completely, keep it clean, and then send your heart and soul completely into the spirituality. Thank you.